everyone, and welcome to the PhD to B podcast, a podcast where we talk about graduate school. My name is Natalie, and I'm here with my co-host Dallas. Hey. And on today's episode, we will be interviewing Reese Brown, founder of the Cohere Collective, which is a holistic self-ascension hub. She is also a friend that we met in graduate school at TCU. Welcome, Reese. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here today. We're so excited, excited to have you. We're so excited. So pumped. Um, so, Reese, um, I can't remember the last time we saw you because you graduated last spring. So you are a year post-grad. Yeah, I'm almost exactly like a year and a week post-grad. How does that feel? It's kind of doesn't feel real, actually, when I think about it, like saying that. That's kind of crazy because so once I graduated, obviously TCU is in Fort Worth and I moved to nearby city Dallas but I still work at TCU. I'm on staff and I'm adjunct faculty, so I adjunct teach. So I'm still on campus a lot, so I feel like my relationship with the university has kind of just like slowly progressed and changed over time. So it's a little strange because I never really stopped being a member of the university, but my engagement with it has completely 180 since I was a freshman undergrad at TCU. But I will say it feels really good to be on the other side of it. Um, and having had a full year where I'm not in school has been a totally different way of life for me because, you know, you start going to school ever since you can remember. And then if you go to get your higher education in grad school. It's like, this is the first year I've had where I haven't been actively, you know, studying, turning in assignments, all of that. Wait, so you're adjuncting? What are you teaching? Yeah. So it's funny. Obviously we met in the grad school program and the English program. Um, in my undergrad at TCU, I met, um, two faculty and staff members, Stacy Grau and Cedric James, and they ran the Idea Factory, which was in the School of Interdisciplinary Studies at TCU. Mm-hmm. And it used human-centered design to teach students entrepreneurship and innovation. Um, and it worked a lot in the social innovation field as well, which I'm really passionate about social change. And it teaches you a lot of really great tools to be able to be a really active citizen, which I think is really important and to be an entrepreneur, um, which I always wanted to start my own company. So it kind of just made sense, even though I was in the liberal arts school for like my in-depth studies, I kind of had this extracurricular life that was more businessy. Unfortunately, the School of Interdisciplinary Studies was dissolved, which was a little heartbreaking. Um, And then Idea Factory got absorbed into the business school, and then it got dissolved within the business school. So now I'm in the Entrepreneurship and Innovation Institute, which was separate from Idea Factory and does some different things, but I still teach um, Social Innovation 101, which is actually a class that I got to design, which was so fun. It was my first time writing an actual syllabus that I was going to teach. Um, And Life Design, which uses human-centered design in kind of a self-help frame to help students think about, you know, What am I actually doing with my life in college and what am I going to do after? Oh, that's so cool. That's so you. (laughs) Thanks. And I'm happy to know that you actually are still like on campus because I had no idea. Yeah, I'm there not as much as I probably should be as someone that works there, but I'm there about once a week usually. Yeah. Yeah. Nice to, it's nice to know though. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So 
let's like take a step back so we met so i'm I'm like natalie and reese like us specifically we met in um it was spring this the semester that you graduated right in spring 2022 yeah 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 we were taking a lit class together and so we were we met there when did you and dallas meet was it in that same class i think it was in the fall it was in the fall at dr gall's class yes because it was with gall for the was it america it was like King. early american lit yeah early american lit to 1900 or something mm-hmm. yeah yeah so we met in your last year of the program mm-hmm. yeah and so um so reese kind of brings in an a lot of interesting perspectives but specifically um she was an accelerated master's student do you want to talk about so tcu has that type of program i've never seen it at other institutions i'm sure other institutions have it um two but lane I, two lane apparently <laughs> um so i'd love to hear sort of w- what that was what that is and then what was that like for you in your grad experience yeah absolutely so um, I went to TCU for my undergrad. Um, I grew up in Dallas, and originally I did not want to go to TCU. I wanted to go out of state, and through a bunch of different life growth changes, all of the things, um, I ended up at TCU, and it ended up being a really, really great decision for me. Um, and TCU, the School of Interdisciplinary, Interdisciplinary Studies, which is now disbanded, like I mentioned earlier, um, had a design your own major program which really seemed like the right fit for me. So in my undergrad, I ended up designing my own major. And my main concern with that was no one else is going to have the degree that I have. And when I apply for jobs, when I, you know, am being a young professional out in the world, the only credential you have to your name is your degree, right? And it's not like everyone's sitting there looking at my degree plan. um, So they don't really see what goes into the degree that I got. Um, so all they're seeing is this title that I came up with that really means nothing to them. Right. So I was like, I think it's really important that I get that next level of degree to support the work that I was doing in my undergrad. So my undergrad, I combined writing, acting philosophy, and then sociology and psychology. And I called it a study of the human experience. And so I was working. So cool. (laughs) Thanks. And so you. (laughs) Love that. Thank y'all. It was really cool. And I got to like pick all of my own classes and be in a bunch of different colleges around um, the campus. But as I progressed through my undergrad, I realized that writing was really where my heart was. That was where I wanted to talk about and disperse this information Um, And so it really made sense to continue pursuing the writing English portion of my undergrad degree. And then I was talking with my advisor, who Dr. Francine Huckabee, she is still at TCU. She mainly works with undergrads, but she is absolutely wonderful, Um, told me that there was the accelerated program. And I was like, accelerated? Tell me how I can pay less money to get this degree. That sounds wonderful. (laughs) Um, And she said, well, what students do is they combine their senior year of their undergrad with the first year of their master's. Um, And the way TCU does it is that you can essentially double dip your classes. So your senior year, you can pick um, some graduate classes to attend that you will get 
undergrad credit for as well or you can essentially like petition the instructor of an undergraduate class to give you extra work to beef it up to make it a graduate level course Mm -hmm. Um, but of course those instructors have to be full-time professors and have all the credentials to be able to teach a graduate level class so there's all of the bureaucracy and red tape and hoops that you have to jump through to make it happen Um, but I got really lucky met a lot of really great staff and faculty at TCU that kind of helped me figure out the right fit and the right class choices so my senior year I ended up teaching just um or not teaching sorry taking just um undergrad classes that were then beefed up um for the grad level and then that second year when I met both of y'all I was only in grad classes so it was just fully that additional year at the end of my undergrad tacked on on the end Um, and then I was lucky enough to be able to graduate a year early with my undergrad degree so I ended up graduating in four years with a master's which again yes there were some 19 20 hour semesters in there and you know, some AP course credits that helped me do that, but also some really, really wonderful mentors and advisors that helped me kind of figure out the path to make that happen. So is your master's like a separate um, degree from what you got your undergrad in? I'm just trying, is there a distinction? I guess. Sorry if that wasn't a good uh, yeah I, I, are, like are there two separate papers that you got <laughs> yeah <Yes>. yeah <laughs> yeah no absolutely I think that's a perfectly reasonable question since I you know double dipped my classes but yes so I have my bachelor's of science of the human experience and then my master's of English okay okay cool the logistics yeah. of it I think yeah, is what you're like, yeah. I'm just trying to figure out <laughs> it's if kind it's of still two separate degrees or if they kind of combine it or what yeah. like <laughs> it's kind of a I don't want to undermine my own education, but it's kind of crazy loopholes, (laughs) right? No, but I'm, you know, that's a cool opportunity. That's really cool. I mean, and it's so reflective, I feel, of like what you wanted to do, like, you know, so why not? Yeah. And I like that the writing, the master's in writing kind of gives that more tangible understanding that like employers can see that and say like, okay, writing. Cause like you said, the human experience, right? They're kind of like, what is that? But like right. the writing gives it more of like a tangible aspect that they can kind of grasp onto and understand. Absolutely. That was totally where my head was at because I saw the value of having my bachelor's of science in the human experience, but I knew I didn't quite know what the first couple years after graduation were going to look like yet, obviously. Um, so I just wanted to make sure that I was setting myself up for success in that way. Um, and then when I heard about this program, it made sense, right? I'm like, if I have an extra year anyways, and I can tack on this accelerated and still get it done in four years and have that added additional just credibility, which for me as an individual, I think that, you know, you don't need that credibility for your education or for you as a person to you know bring value i don't think you have to have that at all i think the letters that you have behind your name are a really cool thing if that's your jam but it doesn't necessarily mean you're more or less intelligent than anyone else um but knowing that i wanted to go into a more academic kind of industry it felt like the right choice for me love that and i'm so happy that you are expressing the fact that you thought through all of those things and that that's something that 
I feel like, and, and we can talk about this when we get to more of your post-grad um, life and what that's been like, but I think a lot of the times with graduate school, like we kind of think we know what we want and then we go into it and things change, which, you know, that's the great thing about graduate school. You, right. you become flexible and you start really understanding the, you start really understanding the ropes and everything. But um, based off of what you've just shared, it's, I feel like you are were just very aware and just very like really understood like what you, what mattered to you and, and you know, what yeah like what you wanted thank you yeah it college was always for me um my parents framed college and higher education in general as something you do because there's something you actively want to study right like you shouldn't just go to college to go to college you go to college Mm -hmm. to be able to do something um and i knew that i wanted to start some sort of company like cohere um and that I loved performing and I loved writing and I loved philosophy and thinking about these things and thinking about other people and how all these things are connected. There's not a degree that lets you do that, right? So I think I got really lucky with finding this design your own major program that ended up working really well with the accelerated masters. Um, But it was certainly teed up in that way for me that was, well, if you're going to get your master's it's to work on like your final thesis that is going to eventually become a book, hopefully crossing my fingers. Um, But it it was all with the same end goal in mind, for sure. It was not this, um, not aimless, but it it was not a go to college and you'll figure it out there. It was, you have this goal in mind, college and higher education can help you with that. I love that. That's a good mindset. I think a lot of people enter college with this idea of I'll figure it out. Right. Um, but I like that your parents really gave you this like good outlook on like what college can do, yeah, and what higher education can do. I feel really lucky that that's kind of how they teed it up for me. Um, and I come from I'm, I'm a very privileged person, so it was luckily I'm very, very fortunate that if I wanted to go to college, that wasn't going to be a um question that was always going to be a a, a available to me if I wanted it Mm -hmm. but my parents both were the first in their families to go to college paid their way through college worked really hard to get to where they are to be able to provide that for me and my brother um and so for them they were like well it's not a given for everyone um so if you're gonna do it you need to do it with something in mind not to say that college isn't also a great place to experiment and to figure things out like it absolutely is and like you said you should change your mind and try on different things but I think from my teaching even especially in life design and helping students find you know what the next step for them is so often I'll see freshmen come into my class and be like yeah I don't know my mom just told me I had to be here and that I should take this class and it's like that's great. Hopefully we can explore what that means for you. But I think it's, I'm just such a believer in doing things with intention. And I think unfortunately college has become something that people, it's just another box for people to check instead of something that is really going to serve your overall mission and purpose. Right. right? Yeah. Or you see the kids who go into college, you're like, oh, I'm going to be a pre-med because that's what my parents want it's like no right. no, no it's, what do you want yeah. you know and um yeah no college is a great place to explore and figure 100%. things out but also you don't want to dilly-dally too much with that kind of exploration because at the end of the day like you want to have you want to have a goal towards something at the end you know? right and I think that 
for me, the really big change was like, instead of looking at my post high school life in this linear pathway of like, oh, I'm meeting these different milestones, checking these boxes, it felt much more cyclical where it was like, I kind of knew who I am and what I wanted to do. And then the different experiences that I was having, the different things that I was exploring were helping me further that, but it was always returning to this place of who am I, who do I want to be at the end of the day? So it's like, yes, you're exploring, but that the heart of who you are kind of, I mean, obviously we change and grow as individuals, but there is a piece of you that I think does stay the same and returning to that, returning to your roots, who you living the life you really want to live is what you should continually kind of return back to and check in with as you're exploring. And I think that outlook is really interesting considering like graduate school in general, like obviously you didn't take the more traditional route with graduate school. And so like, not only should you think about, you know, your intentions with going to college, like as an undergrad, but I feel like that's even more something you should think about if you want to go to grad school. Yeah. You can't just go to grad school and say, I'll figure it out. Like, that's not how it functions. Like, really upfront when you're doing those applications, you're, you're, you're doing the statements of purpose and whatnot. Like, they want to know why you're here. So true. And so, it, it, I feel like that outlook is really interesting when you consider it in the framework of graduate school and how that functions absolutely i think that you're 100 right with the applications and the statement of purpose like they want at least for the master's program they wanted to know like essentially what my thesis was going to be before i even was accepted into the program oh wow um Mm -hmm. and luckily i i kind of knew but um yeah you really do it's such a different shift in mindset from undergraduate school and I do think a lot of people now um because college has become so much more accessible for so many people um they're like oh well I'll just go to graduate school too and yes I think it's wonderful graduate school is an amazing experience um but you can't go into it expecting it to be like your undergrad right exactly which is the point of our podcast. Yes. <laughs> right. So we have a whole episode on why graduate school is not like undergrad. Right. It's important. Yeah. yeah. It yeah. is important. It's important to know like what do you want to get out of grad school because you, you really don't have the time to say, I'll figure it out. Like yeah. that can happen a little bit. Like you have a little wiggle room, but not the way you can, you know, you can change your major 50 times in undergrad. Right. Like no one, no one cares, but like you cannot, there's no space for that. No, not in grad, in grad school. school. Yeah. Well, and I think also in terms of that, like, yes, you're usually paid to go to grad school, right? Like usually you get a stipend and you work for the university as you do all of those things. However, you are taking opportunity cost out of your own pocket right because theoretically you could go out into the workforce and be making so much more money having so many more benefits right from a nine to five or any sort of other traditional out of undergrad job so you are taking that cut and that's again not to say that money is the most important thing it is absolutely not following your passion i believe is what you should be doing and if grad school is a part of that amazing but you are making a sacrifice to be there. Girl, yeah. tell me about yeah. it. <laughs> we, one of these days, we're going to have a whole episode on sacrifices. Yeah. Um, it's it's a recurring thing. It's part of grad school. So, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as you're, as you're talking, I'm thinking about like how just different the accelerated 
grad school experience is. So how did that work for you? Um, knowing, okay, I'm in, I'm in this program, but I'm taking undergrad classes that are beefed up to be like grad classes. And then I have a whole year where all I do is take grad classes. How did that work with, um, you feeling like you belong or what you were doing and all of that? Like, can you speak into that a little bit? Absolutely. I am. Thank you for that question. I wasn't even thinking about that when I sat down here today, but that is truly probably the biggest part that I remember from doing this was how feeling like a normal student was during that experience. So it was weird because my senior year in my undergrad, when I was taking up taking these more beefed up versions of undergrad classes, there were some classes where other students knew what was happening. And like at the top of the class, the professor would be like, Reese is also a grad student and she's doing blah, blah, blah. Um, and then people would either look at me differently or treat me differently, either in a, oh, well, she's a grad student. She's so smart and high and hoity-toity. Um, or there were people who were like, oh, she thinks she's better than me automatically wouldn't want to engage um which was unfortunate but of course any information about you is going to change other people's perspectives whether it's true or not right um so it certainly put a divide between me and my fellow undergraduates because I was like well it's still my senior year I still want a senior year experience just because my in-classroom experience is a little bit different doesn't mean that I'm not you know a senior doesn't mean that this isn't my senior football year doesn't mean that I'm not going to be at the senior toast and you know all of those things so having that just in the classroom was different my senior year was also over zoom mm-hmm. which was interesting oh, um yeah. mm-hmm. so like I would go into breakout rooms and it was very much like people would just defer to me and be like well we're not going to do anything um or like almost like teacher assistant kind of vibes even though that was not supposed to be the heart of it um sometimes teachers would even be like can you teach a couple classes if you're going to be a grad student which i understand is like really great experience and a good learning experience Mm -hmm. but it was hard to balance that with also wanting to be a normal student um and then in other classes they would not say anything about how i'm doing this extra work outside of class which was also really difficult because i was like well not that everyone needs to know that I'm doing this extra work, but maybe it would be nice if they did, like just to know that like, well, if I throw something out there in our breakout room or something, it's like, actually, I've done a lot of extra reading on this. And this is something that I think we should really pay attention to. Um, So it was this really weird balance between like wanting to get credit for doing that extra work, but also not wanting to be treated differently, which I think was probably an unfair expectation coming from me to want both of those things. Like you can't have your cake and eat it too. Um, But regardless, it definitely changed that dynamic. And then when I was in grad school, I mean, it's so lucky that, you know, I got to meet y'all and other really wonderful people in our grad program that did not treat me differently. No one looked at me as a student that was less than in those grad programs. Um, The teachers didn't, my peers didn't 
no one did but that was a real fear of mine that i was going to be treated as less than because i was one accelerated and tcu combines their masters with their doctor's classes Mm -hmm. and so that was my other fear was oh not only am i a master's or the doctorate students going to look at me differently. Um, But also I'm accelerated. I'm only here for a year. So I think the most difficult thing on that side was wanting to make friendships, but feeling like I wasn't going to be sticking around Mm -hmm. and not wanting to, it's almost like when you foster a pet and you know you're going to have to give them up. They're like, well, don't name it because you're going to get attached kind of thing. And so it was hard because I didn't want to like put other people in a weird situation to where it felt like I was here. And then all of a sudden I was just like ripped out of the flow of things. But also friendships are so important to the graduate school experience because you're sharing this really, really difficult yet important part of your life. Like you can't do that without people who are right there with you. Um, So I would say that like, definitely just the engagement with other students because no one else had done quite exactly what I had done because the grad program was pretty small at TCU um or is still pretty small because we're in R1 or R2 R2 we're in R2 so they focus on undergrad more than graduate um so yeah it was just this interesting kind of flow of feelings when I walked into class it wasn't just thinking about did I do my reading did I am I prepared for discussion it was also should I sit next to the person that I want to sit next to and talk to and talk about their life or is that going to be strange when I'm gone you know so interesting balances there thank you for sharing all of that because it's so interesting to just uh, to hear your experiences and everything that was kind of going uh, through your head and everything that you just yeah I mean experienced that's that's just really fascinating um, which is another reason why we wanted to have you like you your experiences are so everybody's experiences are unique obviously but um, like just just hearing all of that just goes to show like yeah it is different like and there's a different type of graduate student and if you're in university has this sort of setup and you go quickly from being undergrad to grad and you're still kind of in that back and forth like it's yeah. it's going to impact your experience I'm, I'm glad to know that the phd students and the other grad students didn't you know treat you any differently you know um i think it helped too that libby was also in yes. the accelerated she's another um, and kaylee student. oh kaylee too mm-hmm. I, oh, thought I didn't Kay- know kaylee was in i thought kaylee was just in the regular old me too ma program so that's new okay so i mean okay but still, i did not know I, that. I knew for yeah. sure of libby and i thought yeah. well, maybe that because you had libby in the class with dr gall and mm-hmm. in the class with robbins um so i thought well you know maybe that would be having like other people in that kind of situation would be helpful but um yeah i i don't think if i if you wouldn't have told me you were like in the accelerated program i would have never known same um because you are so articulate and you oh, are so mature, you. I, I, you, you, I don't know how to explain it, Reese. But like, you're just you felt like you fit in with the rest of us, you know. And That's I mean, so you would have fit say. in regardless whether you were a traditional master's or PhD student or otherwise. But nothing about you, to me anyway, said like, oh, she's just like a young accelerated student you know like which I would have never thought that anyway about anybody to begin with but you you felt 
like you belonged right at least in you know our opinion like there was never any moment where I was like that girl Reese you know (laughs) (laughs) well thank you that that actually is like really heartening to hear because I think you know even if sometimes you logically know that people aren't looking at you differently you still do get in your head about it and Mm -hmm. you never really know what people think about you and it really shouldn't matter to begin with right but I think that because graduate school is so Socratic and is so conversationally based I think you do think a lot about what your peers think about you in the classroom when you're sharing and sharing and discussing is a huge part of learning in grad school. And so not wanting to take away from the learning of other people who are going to be there for a longer stint, but also wanting to make sure I get the full breadth of experience too. And yeah. So thank you for telling me that. That makes me feel good. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I I, I would just echo what Dal said. Yeah. I mean, to me, because I was a rec comp student in that lit class, and mm-hmm. I don't like literature <laughs> yeah. uh, for many reasons. Um, and so I was more worried, like, am I going to, like, you know, I, I can talk about rhetoric all day, you know? So is there a way that I So I felt, you know, same. Oh, I think about what I'm saying in class all the time. Like, I, there's been moments where I know I've said things in class where I'm like, I probably sounded so dumb i know natalie's gonna fuss at me for saying that but uh but like you know like there's just moments where i'm like i don't understand and i'm the kind of person where i will let you know that i don't understand what we're talking about and i don't like i worry about it making me look dumb but right. i also am like but i need to know why it is that i'm like yeah. this thing isn't clicking so and at that point you kind of have to let go of like well what are the other people gonna think about me not yeah. understanding this really abstract concept or this really dense like theoretical book we just read you know and it's like i'm always kind of torn like do i sound stupid maybe i don't care if i sound stupid right you know well and i think that that's so important for grad school too because i think that there were a couple days where i left class being like i prevented myself like no one in that room prevented me except for me from sharing from going there and i do think that in some grad school environments more than others i'm sure um but there is not there's kind of like a brain flexing contest that can happen sometimes oh yeah yeah 100 percent. because it's almost like oh we're all in grad school who's the smartest schooliest of the grad school exactly (laughs) and of course different people including our program have different views on stuff like that on how they want to be perceived and so some people you're not going to click with some people you are um but certainly the people that you're in class with i think also impacts the environment and the energy in the room and how comfortable you feel going there because grad school should be a place where you can say something dumb or completely wrong and learn from it like it should be a playground for trying out new theories and testing things but if there's people in the room who are doing that kind of brain flexing pissing contest pardon my language i hope that's okay you can cut that out if it's not (laughs) no it's fine um but if people are doing the like pissing contest brain flexing thing i think it makes other people get more in their head about being open and free for learning and you have to feel safe to learn exactly thank you for saying the last part you have to feel safe to learn like that's what learning is you're in order to learn you also have to make mistakes you also have to be wrong and you should be in a space that lets you do that yeah it's 100 learning is 
vulnerable sometimes, mm-hmm. you know? So hundred yeah. percent. And there's, I mean, there's definitely been courses where I feel like I don't feel, I feel like if I were to say, I don't understand, I'd be getting, you know, judgmental looks from people. And then other classes, I feel perfectly fine being like, I don't get it. You know? Yeah. And I do think sometimes, um, it can come from the energy and expectation that your professor instructor sets and different instructors I think are better at creating that space than others. Um, and different instructors are better at leveling the playing field and making people feel comfortable. But the instructor also isn't the only person creating the energy of the classroom. There's so many other people there. And I think once you get to grad school, professors tend to look at you more as like peers than them such a high hierarchy or like dichotomy of power. Mm -hmm. Um, So it puts more power into the hands of the students too, that if you do have, you know, a few bad apples spoils the bunch. Unfortunately, if you do have people that are bringing that negative energy, it really can impact everyone. For sure. For sure. Yeah. And I could imagine being someone in the accelerated program or being a master's student, being really intimidated by that. I know in my MA program, there were, you know, classes where I felt that way. And, um, it makes you just not want to participate, you know, and that's sad. Yeah, it is. And I do think, it, it is a little sad because you just want everyone to be able to do the same level of learning. But on the good side, because of the depth and difficulty of all of these things and the topics that you talk about, you also make really rich friendships that even, like you said, we haven't talked to each other in about a year. And yet I feel like totally safe having this conversation right now. Right. And same. the depth of that relationship isn't really based on time, but it's very much based on like values and interests, which I think is different than a lot of my other relationships that I have yeah I, I feel that. like no time has passed <laughs> like honestly being with yeah. you, I'm like oh this feels just like yeah. like we were in Dr. Robin's class the other day yeah like I yesterday, totally agree so, yeah. yeah well and it makes me like miss it a little bit too because I'm like now that I haven't been in school for like a year of course at first it was like oh my gosh thank god I'm not like taking notes and writing essays and literally staring at a computer all day well, I'm still kind of staring at a computer all day, but for different reasons. Um, but now I'm like having a structured place to learn, having someone else formulate learning for you. I'm like, I do miss that a little bit, you know? I think that's a good transition to your life post-graduation. So um, like we said earlier, you graduated in spring of 2022. So it's been a year and a week since you've graduated. Um, What has life been like for you post-graduate school? Yeah, so another kind of interesting part of my different timeline journey, um, my entire friend group are all a year older than me. So even though I graduated with my undergrad at the same time that they all did, I was the only one still going to school in my like social friend group when I was in grad school for that one year. So that was kind of interesting too in terms of relationships where it was like, oh, Reese is still in school. But also now that I have my graduate degree, um, it was interesting to see like, which friends were treating me differently and how they were treating me differently, either because I was still in school or because I had a degree. Um, 
and I think now it feels very normal, but it was an interesting transition once I stopped going to school because all of my friends had been in the workforce for a year and this was my first year doing it. Um, so when I was going to grad school, I lived with, or I still live with my two best friends from TCU from undergrad. Um, and the three of us, like we got really lucky and almost all of our friends moved to Dallas within like 10 minutes of each other. And so a lot of it has been like being young and silly and goofy and going out on the weekends or doing a game night. And we also have this thing that we call family dinner where we rotate whose house it's at every week, but every Tuesday, someone hosts dinner and cooks and I know that no matter what, I'm going to see my little group of 12 every Tuesday. Wow, that's amazing. It's That's awesome. I, I really love it. And it's really been a wonderful part of consistency in my life. Um, so being out of grad school, being an adjunct, it's been interesting in that social way that I'm doing something completely different than all my friends are. They are all in some sort of nine to five, even though they're all in different industries and academia just doesn't work quite the same way because, you know, I teach night classes for my adjunct. So I'm like, they'll be getting off work and I'm driving to Fort Worth to teach my class. Right. Um, and then also I freelance during the day when I'm not doing staff work for a TCU, but also my staff work is remote sometimes and, and in person other times so my schedule has been completely self-created which is such a blessing and a curse because I love having that freedom and like I can go grocery shopping during the day which is wonderful um but at the same time it takes a lot of willpower (laughs) and determination where I'm like there's nothing I have to do at 9 a.m why do I need to get up But then also just like knowing that you need to still have that discipline is really hard. Right. So it's been, I would say the year since grad school has just been such a year of self-discovery and self-growth. Socially, academically, professionally, I have learned so much about what I need in friendships and relationships and what support actually looks like and how I can give that to my friends, even though... I'm doing something different than them and they're doing something different than me that we can support that dream for each other that just because we have a different dream or we have a different way that we're living life doesn't mean that it's not right for you and that mine isn't right for me. So finding people who agree on that has been really interesting learning experience through my friendships. Um, And then academically seeing the flip side of obviously when you go to grad school, you start seeing a little bit more about the bureaucracy and the red tape because you start teaching some classes and, you know, you get to know your professors a little bit better. But being fully not a student anymore, but still on campus has been so eye-opening in so many ways. So of course, I've professionally grown a lot in terms of starting my own company and pursuing that. But um, being at the front of the classroom and having to turn in grades But even more than that, being told I'm not allowed to teach the syllabus that I created anymore because so-and-so doesn't like this X part, so the whole thing has to be scrapped. Or this program that you really believe in that we wanted you to pitch because we said that we believed in it and you spent hours and hours working on this pitch. It's not going to happen. We don't have the funding. It's more important that we put this towards something else, right? 
and I don't want this to come across as overly negative of academia or the university system. Any university is going to have issues and problems like this. Um, but in terms of my academic and professional growth in that way and being in academia, I would just say it's been eye-opening in the sense that you are never going to be able to do exactly what you think you are going to be able to do once you're there. Um, It's just going to be different and you really have to be able to go with the flow and trust yourself to know that you are doing the right thing and you're making the right sacrifices that are right for you because you can't do everything you want 100% of the time, right? But also know where you're going to put your foot down, where you're going to draw the line, where certain things you won't sacrifice on, right? It's really been a, a learning of that process. That's so cool. Wow. <laughs> it's so eye-opening. I mean, because I feel like a lot of people are like, when I graduate, I'm going to do this. And it leads for room for like no flexibility and no room for growth. And, and there's nothing disappointment r- in general yeah, whenever yeah. things don't go your way right and, and i think obviously it's great to have that goal and sort of the thing in absolutely. mind absolutely but you are really speaking to the fact that like but you're gonna see things and and be in a position where you didn't see this before and so that's going to change the way that you view yourself view what you're doing and view just the place that you're in so thank you for sharing absolutely um Again, I don't want to come across as negative of higher education or discourage anyone from continuing down this path. I think we need really, really great, passionate people here. That's how these changes are going to happen is more people continuing down this path, more people fighting for the things they believe in, more people fighting for the systemic change, the um, decolonizing the university system. However, with different processes that are in place, like tenure, right? Just as one example, um, there are so many things that you're just going to hear no a lot. And I think that Dallas, like you said, you're setting yourself up for disappointment. And it's not to say that you shouldn't have those goals. You shouldn't have those dreams and ambitions. But it is to say, try and be as honest with yourself as you can be about what is actually the most important thing that you're trying to accomplish. Because if your goal for continuing higher education and pursuing academia professionally is just to be successful with um, this one really specific thing, you might be really let down. I think your goal has to be much broader of, I am going to make an impact and make a difference, whatever that looks like, because you don't always get to control what that impact actually looks like right and like sometimes a no right now isn't a no forever absolutely so sometimes you just have to like pivot and that doesn't mean you won't get whatever the goal is that you're trying to get it just means you might have a few roadblocks in the way getting to that goal right 100 percent. and knowing which roadblocks that you should fight up against and you should be pushing back against right and um I think for me, it's been a test of my own, you know, kind of chutzpah, I guess, to look a grown man in the face who can't be fired from the university and say, 
I disagree with how you run this program and I am not going to help you do that. I know that, you know, yeah, yeah. Th- I, that might put my job in jeopardy, but that's where I'm drawing the line. Yeah. And that's scary. But sometimes like that's what you have to do as well. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Proud of you for like, you know, <laughs> thank you. Sticking it was, to your guns on certain things. You know, you have to sometimes. It's like the scariest thing I've ever yeah. done. Cause I was like, I am fully about to be fired from my job. And luckily I have a colleague who, um, is really aligned with me and values and he has really gone to bat for me in a lot of ways and supports me a lot in the different goals and dreams that I have to create for students right and the change to create for students but a lot of like we were talking about earlier before we started recording this podcast um the people who benefit directly from the problematic systems aren't going to want to see them change um so being prepared for an uphill battle I think is you know plan for the what what is it expect the best prepare for the worst you know Mm -hmm. um i'd love to hear about your the cohere collective so that's is this something that happened um that you were have always planned for how did maybe graduate school or post-grad school life sort of impact that or not like what what's that all about yeah absolutely thank you for asking that so um the Cohere Collective has always been like a little seed inside of my heart, I think, um, because ever since I was little, I always felt this like drive to pursue connection and what it means to be a human being and a good human being that's trying to live a life with purpose and trying to make the world a better place. Um, obviously, spirituality has a lot to do with that for me. Um, but I know that that doesn't for everybody, right? Um, that's not always a piece of it. So as I went through high school and I started learning about different worldviews and frameworks and thought processes that people had on this experience that I had, I realized there wasn't really a place to discuss any of these big topics, right? Like we all have these questions of who are we? Why are we here? What impact am I going to leave? What legacy am I going to make? But where can we talk about these things like in a structured, informed way, um, in a safe way where we can be vulnerable and actually learn and grow through asking these questions? And like we were talking about earlier, explore through these questions together. Um, And so when I went to college, I was like, this is what I want to study. I want to study these questions, but not just the philosophy behind them, not just the psychology behind them, but this kind of intersection of all of these different modalities that play into who we are as people. Because there's so many different dimensions to each person. We're so intersectional in so many different ways that to ignore one of those, I think, is a disservice to your being, right? And that everyone has a duty to themselves to honor all of those different dimensions. Um, And so my senior year of undergrad, I was like, I am going to do this. I'm going to launch a company that provides hopefully a safe space for people to talk about these big questions and learn whatever it is they want to learn about themselves, about the world around them, how to be a better steward of justice and love how to lead a life with love first um and to further their connection with themselves and the universe around them in whatever spirituality religion philosophy worldview you bring all of them are welcome 
Um, so right now it is a podcast, Making Meaning. You can find on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and a blog. Um, but there's a bunch of different stuff up at thecoherecollective.com. Um, we're still in our infant stages, but it grew slowly and surely through graduate school. Um, and so now pursuing academia postgraduate school has really been kind of twofold. One, in the sense that it is paying my bills right now um, because Cohere, unfortunately, has not reached the point to where it is fully paying my bills, but that is the long-term goal. But the other thing that pursuing academia has really been able to do is provide an avenue for me to continue to help and try and make an impact on fellow human beings um, while living. Because Martin Luther King has a quote that is... The most pressing and urgent question is what are we doing for others and to me that is my most pressing and urgent question is how am i serving others how am i helping others how am i helping them be the best version of themselves i think the classroom is one of the most powerful ways to do that um so it's really allowed me to do that and hopefully take the learning that i also get from failing in that environment but also learning from my students and learning from my fellow academics and then hopefully bringing that back to Cohere to make it more robust and help people continue to make meaning in their lives. Wow. I know. Amazing. You're, <laughs> just, are too you're just so smart and so insightful. I could listen to you talk all day. That is the nicest thing for you to say. Thank you so much. No, I know I tell you it all the time, but like, it's really true. (laughs) That's so sweet of you. Thank you. Seriously. Yeah. I am super long winded too. I realize. So I'm sorry if this has been a lot, but no, no, no No. sorries in this podcast (laughs) and no negative self-talk. I love it. Um, yeah. If you are listening to this episode, you need to go follow um, Reese's podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts because, I mean, everything that she's talking about, and I kind of skimmed through a couple of the um, sort of like the different people that you've mm-hmm. had in the topics. Like, she's got a breadth of just like so many different like people on there. So go check out her her stuff and support her in any way that you can because she's doing... I think the, the the reason why I think I want people to support you is because everything you're doing is great, but I feel like you can tell how passionate you are about Thank what you. you're doing. And I think why would we not want to, as a community, support people and their passions and what they're talking about? Thank you so much. That I am filled with gratitude for you too. Thank you. Well, we're thankful to have yeah, you here. I was going to say, mean, we come feel on. the same way about you. <laughs> yeah. So um, I do want to throw out there real quick. Yeah, please. Um, since I do think I talked a bit negatively about pursuing academia after grad school, and I, I want to be sure that I'm not discouraging anyone from doing that. I think that it is such a noble pursuit. A big reason why it's noble is because it is challenging. Um, so I think I just want to clarify that yes i think you should be really realistic about it but a big part of that realism too is not getting jaded and knowing that yes you are going to come up against those barriers against that red tape but the people who make change are the ones who believe they can so just because i've had this experience also doesn't mean that that's the experience that any listener is going to have necessarily But also, if you do, know that you can be the one to change it. That together, as a community, like you were saying, each little drop in the bucket eventually is what fills it up, right? So 
just even if you feel like you are just one drop in the bucket that is still making a difference so i just don't want to ever discourage someone from pursuing that or following that um sort of the last question we like to ask our um people that we're you know we have on the podcast and we're talking to and whatnot is what advice would you give graduate students i feel like you just gave advice to you know anybody who's pursuing grad school and whatnot but i'll go ahead and still ask the question if you want to add or even just say the same thing what advice would you give to anybody who's thinking about graduate school currently in graduate school yeah anything like that yeah absolutely thank you for tossing that one out there um if you're thinking about graduate school i would reiterate know what you want to get out of it do not go just to go do not go for those letters the letters are really cool (laughs) i won't lie but um that can't be the only reason you're in it um if you're listening to this podcast i'm sure you've heard the wisdom of dallas and natalie say this again and again but burnout is real the sacrifices you make are real um so if you're gonna do it just know that you what you want to get out of it if you're in grad school I love you. Keep pushing. You can do it. I think that's like what every grad student needs to hear is like, just don't give up the place you get stronger. It's like when you're working out and your muscles get really tired, that's when you're actually going to be growing the most muscle, right? And if you push through, if you stop when it gets hard, you're losing all that progress. So you have it within you. Even if you don't think you do, I promise you, you do. You are so much stronger and more capable than you could even possibly imagine and if you're on the post side of grad school try not to get jaded try to remember that little student who was there before grad school the student that you were in grad school and do it for them because they deserve it do it be the staff member or faculty member that you wish you had when you were there wow it's beautiful (laughs) wow reese Thank you so much for such an insightful conversation. I wow. <laughs> Thank y'all. I I love chit chatting and y'all Same. are just wonderful. <laughs> Thank you for being here. Seriously, we're so grateful that we're um just having a great conversation and um is there anything else we wanna add? Anything that I missed, Alice, that you wanna ask or anything, Reese, that you wanna say before we close off? No, I just wanna reiterate, um, you should go follow Reese's uh, podcast, um, the Cohere Collective. Um, is it also just at the Cohere Collective on Instagram? Yeah, yeah. Let us know all of how do we. What's your website, yeah. Instagram, yeah, yeah. all of that? So we'll let you do that. Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, and TikTok are all at the Cohere Collective, spelled exactly like the letters. The website is www.thecoherecollective.com. Um, the podcast is called Making Meaning, mm-hmm. but okay. it's by the Cohere Collective. So if you search Cohere Collective on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, you should find it. But it looks like a little rainbow archway with a little like brain man in the middle is the podcast cover. Um, but thank you guys for the opportunity to let me come and share my heart a little bit and spend time with you guys. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you so much. And also, um, you can follow us on Instagram at the phd to be podcast you can send us an email um the phd to be podcast at gmail.com um we'd love to hear your questions um and comments so um thank you again reese thank you so much so and thank you all for listening this was such a great episode yeah thank you so much for listening everyone we'll see you on the next one bye
Bye.